there's a lot of stuff that happens in the background that you don't even think about when you're like a fan or or a player you just turn up 10 minutes before kickoff as a fan and watch the game and then you go home afterwards and the only thing you're worried about is what happened in the 90 minutes you're not worried about uh, all the paperwork that you have to get ready before that even just to get the game on Welcome, welcome, welcome to the In Pursuit Passion podcast produced by the Demographica Network and hosted by myself, Hamish Hallett. And in today's episode, I've been joined by the one and only George Dow. From playing football at the under fives to now being the owner of Worthing FC, George has an incredible journey that I have the privilege of listening to. His love of football is immense. And in this episode, you will see why. From promotion to having tough conversations to try and please everyone at the club, this episode has it all. So sit back, relax, and let's pursue this passion. Hello, George. Welcome to In Pursuit of Passion podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well. Really well, thank you. How, how are you? I'm very good, but better to have you on, uh, on this <laughs> amazing, amazing podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on to In Pursuit of Passion. You have such a great passion or such interest in football, you know, you're the owner of Worthing FC and you have such a remarkable journey that I think we'll, we'll go into. But first question from me is really, how did your interest in football start? I, I'm guessing it was through my dad, really. My parents have said, like, ever since I started walking, I was kicking a, a football around. My dad used to play, so and obviously watch it on, on the telly. And yeah, ever, ever since I can remember, I've been either watching or or playing football so I think yeah that's how it started from uh, my dad's love of football I used to go and watch him play and then sort of play on the sidelines while I was watching him with the other kids and yeah I think that's how my passion for for football in general started. So it seems like you were like destined to be part of this sport really because I know from what I heard you were playing for Worthing under fives all the way to being on the bench for the senior team so it seemed to be yeah you were like destined to be involved in football really. Yeah, I, I yeah loved football, loved watching it, loved uh, playing it with friends and uh, at school, and yeah, it was kind of my only thing that got me going. Really, I wasn't very academic at school, so yeah, that that was never going to be a path for me. It was always it was always sport, and uh, yeah, my favourite by a long by a long way was was football. Spent all my time playing football. Yeah, really. Were you one of those people who kind of like go behind like this, like I don't know the back gardens? late at night and like kick a ball on the on the sort of like walls and everything where you're kind of one of those kind of people well yeah I mean not against walls and stuff but um very very close to where I lived when I was younger there was uh well it was called Tarrant Park and we all, we all just used to meet up over there and it, it was handy because I was still quite young but I was uh like good friends with kids that were a bit older so my mum would trust them to take me over the park and I could just play with them all day so um it helped in both in two ways really one I was allowed to stay out a little bit later and play football but two I was playing with older kids so it kind of uh toughened me up and got me uh yeah playing at a slightly better level than maybe kids of my own age were doing mm, 100% and you spoke about your dad a lot just recently like how has your dad kind of influenced your passion would you say uh yeah massively because he, he would have been the one that got me into football he would have been the one that yeah, bought me my first pair of boots, ferried me all over the... Well, actually, yeah, my mum, to be fair, ferried me over mm. to games and uh, made sure that I was always at training and, uh, yeah, up and all over Sussex playing football. So, yeah, that, my mum and 
and my dad my dad mainly because he was obviously the football fan so he got me into watching it and playing it and took me along to his games which I'm sure was probably a bit of a ball ache for him <laughs> knowing that while he's playing he's gonna have to yeah make sure that I'm not messing around on the side of the pitch but yeah no uh yeah massive part to play in uh in my footballing well not career but my footballing passion mm. what was your like earliest memory then of like watching football if you can remember all the way back then my earliest memory of playing football was uh, when I signed for Worthing United under fives. And I remember my first game was up at uh, what's called Lions Farm, which was their home ground at the time. And it was, yeah, it's just, a, I think, a five-a-side or a six-a-side game. But I, I remember going up there because I was absolutely, but the kit was massive and I was absolutely buzzing mm. to be to be playing my first game. And there's like a picture of me. I used to do this stupid thing when I was a kid where I'd just like turn around and shake my bum if I was really excited. So I just remember this picture of me doing that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my first memory of playing football. But my first memory of watching football on the telly would probably be a bit later. And like, I just remember the 99, I'm a Man United fan as well. So uh, I remember watching the 99 Champions League final and obviously being absolutely distraught. Uh, thinking that we're going to lose and then turning it around and winning 2-1 in the last minute and just wearing every Man United item of clothing I had to bed and just absolutely buzzing, yeah. Mm. Were you, would you say were you like naturally talented to play football or were you or were you more like nurtured to play football? If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think I always had a, like a, yeah, a natural, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but I, yeah, a natural ability to be able to play football. Like I, I picked it up really quickly and um, played to a decent level when I was young. But I, I just used to play all the time. Like I didn't ever not play. Like I'd go to, I'd go to school, uh, and then I'm going to be honest now. I didn't, it wasn't great at school. My attendance wasn't great. But if I had PE or football mm. that day, I'd always, I'd always be there. Uh, <laughs> when we finished school, what I'd be going playing football with my friends. I played for like two or two or three teams, like especially when I was like 15 to when I had my accident at 17, I was playing for like three teams. And so I'd be training pretty much every day and playing for playing on a Saturday, playing on a Sunday and then playing midweek for Worthing on a Monday night normally. So I, was, I literally just, and I've played for my college team as well. So they, and they trained like Monday, Tuesday mornings and then played on a Wednesday afternoon. So it was just constant. I was just constantly playing, wanted to play. Whole of my six weeks holiday was just, playing football down the left centre with friends. Were you not exhausted? Because you played three like three teams. Were you not like shattered after like every like game or something? Not, or no? no, I just I just got used to playing that amount. So I'd, I'd play for Worthing under eighteens, mm. which would be like a midweek league. And then I'd play for Worthing United uh reserves at the time. So I would I was like which was my first like taste of well, it wasn't my first taste of men's football, but that was like my men's football and in my head I was thinking right if I can get used to playing men's football against that sort of mm. physicality then when I play for the 18s it will benefit me because uh, they won't be as physical and I'll just learn a different side to the game so I was playing for them as well and, and then I was playing for my Sunday team that I've played for since I was under fives which was just Worthing United uh, so it would have been Worthing United under 18s at the time so yeah I was playing for them free and, and the college as well so it was yeah busy uh, football schedule but yeah loved it God, I mean, if you love something so much, you just, you do it all the time, right? It seems. Yeah, that's, I think, the definition, really, of a passion, isn't it? I wasn't getting, like, 
paid to play for any of these teams i just absolutely mm. loved playing it was just all i wanted to do was just play play football to a and and to reach a, a decent level mm. there was a quote where i was doing some research on you there was a quote that i found i think it was from a feature that a journalist did on you um which i found really interesting i wanted to find out a bit more from you about what you meant by this quote and it was this quote about saying you know how I generally think that football saved me. That was what was written about a quote. I just want to ask, like, why is that? I think for me, it's because, well, it's, I think it, it was probably to do with post-injury. Like, after my injury, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Like I said before, like, my whole life really before my injury was football, uh, playing football and, yeah, loving to play football with friends. And that was kind of what my uh, social circle was surrounded by. And post injury, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was still obviously a keen football fan, but found it hard in the early days to watch football because I was used to watching football and then, uh, like, enjoying what I saw and then going and put that into practice and maybe try and, do you know what I mean, trying some of them, some of them skills. Or if I saw a goal that I thought was cool, I'd be yeah, trying to practice that a little bit. And obviously, after my injury, I couldn't do that, so it was just watching it and then trying to watch it maybe slightly differently and uh, take more note of maybe the tactics and like maybe what the manager's thinking when he's making decisions and, and just trying to watch the game differently and I really got into that and uh after I left hospital it took me a while to build up my confidence but I kind of wanted to make sure that I stayed involved in football my friends were saying oh you should start a team and, and all this so I, I did start a team in the end and I was the manager of that team for a couple of years called mm-hmm. Worthing Borough and that was really really good fun and it uh, brought me back out of my shell and that's kind of what I meant by football saved me in that respect because I was in the first year or so after coming home from hospital I was kind of a, a, recl- a recluse a little bit and didn't really want to go out and I'd lost my confidence and uh, didn't want to meet new people just wanted to stay with my close-knit family and friends because I, I kind of know what to expect with them. They know that I've had the injury and they know what I can and can't do. And I was never in a, with them guys, I was never in a situation where they didn't know what to expect uh, from me, if you know what I mean, because yeah. of my my injury and not being able to do the things I, I used to do. And that they knew my bound, like they knew my limitations and stuff. But football football brought me back out my shell. And I, uh, yes, like I said, started managing Worthing Borough started up a team and it got me out and about again and mixing in the football community and it kind of made me realise that uh, people are still accepting of of me even though I'm in a wheelchair now and I, and it just made me realise that I can still have a have an involvement in the in the sport that I loved really. Hmm. That must have been having that injury which I read your story which was just incredible. Um, unfortunate accident that happened. I'm guessing that was a really big challenge to try and overcome, or are you still overcoming that? If that's a personal question, don't have to answer that. But. No, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, I don't think I'm still overcoming it. I think I came, in terms of the injury, I think I came to terms with it quite quickly. But I, yeah. what I struggled with was what it then meant for me. Like I kind of got my head around, okay, the, the doctors are pretty brutal straight off the bat. They're like, okay, you're not going to be able to walk again. Uh, and I think that's rightly so because they don't want to give anyone any false hope. So they tell you straight away, like, yeah, this is how it is now. You're not you're not going to walk again. And I kind of came to terms with that quite quickly. I had really good family and friends around me that supported me in the early stages. It was it was tough, obviously. Everything you've known is now 
now gone and it's kind of one of them injuries that you think oh that's never going to happen to me type thing mm-hmm. but it has so yeah i got i come to terms with that relatively quickly and then yeah it was just a case of okay what does that mean for me now and the hospital were great and the nurses and and the uh, like guest speakers i guess they come to the spinal unit and they kind of try and inspire you to make you think and make you realize that life isn't in life isn't over now that you've now that you've suffered a spinal cord injury and there is still plenty out there that you can go and achieve um so yeah that that all helped me but especially it did help but it doesn't help with your confidence necessarily to go out and you, they make you realize oh, okay you can do these things but yeah i struggled in the first you know probably a year or two post injury to have the confidence to go out try new things go to new places meet new people I, yeah i was i really struggled with that early on hmm. so it seemed like you sort of struggled with sort of coming back into real life or something is it is it along those lines yeah it's it's kind of like i was in hospital for 10 months so i hadn't seen a lot of the people that i used to mingle with for that period of time but not only have i had i not seen people for a long time it was when i last saw them i was an active 17 year old kicking a ball around probably with them or playing football with them or or whatever and obviously the person i was 10 months later was i was in a wheelchair i was uh paralyzed from the chest down and uh, yeah i guess the same person but in a completely different scenario and i I was always worried about how people would react to me not and i I wouldn't blame them either like obviously they're not used to seeing people in a wheelchair for one but also seeing someone that used to be close or good friends with in a wheelchair so a lot of people would struggle to know what to say or mm-hmm. they didn't want to offend me or or anything like that so it was almost like a kind of always was an awkward com- first conversation with people uh like if i was downtown or something with my girlfriend at the time and we were just walking through town and i saw someone i i recognized or i knew i'd almost try and stay out of their eye line because i didn't want to have that awkward uh that awkward meeting with them and be like oh yeah you're right and and then it just it it always felt to me like a little bit awkward but uh getting back involved in football was kind of like the window of opportunity to meet these people again in this in a surrounding that we're all comfortable in and that kind of made them realize quite quickly that i was still the same person i was just in a wheelchair so my personality hasn't changed or the things i like or the way they should approach me or speak around me shouldn't change it's just yeah i'm, I'm now sitting down rather than standing up and it was kind of a, a real eye-opener for me and for them i think and yeah it just it just helped it just helped me get get through them early stages <laughs> them awkward them awkward stages in the, in the uh, in the early days Mm. and you speak about window opportunity like football giving you the window opportunity one of those opportunities was becoming the owner of Worthing FC um, yeah I, I've from what I've heard you weren't there wasn't that intention to become the owner so I don't understand like why why wasn't that not that intention there to become the owner of Worthing FC <laughs> so it all started because like I said I, I started that football team Worthing Borough and we were really struggling for places to train locally. Yeah. Like in the summer, it was fine. You could go down a local park and just kick a ball around with it. Yeah, do a training session or whatever. But in the winter, when it's darker and the pitches are the park pitches are muddy and yeah, it's just too dark to be able to train there of an evening. 
and there was uh, just where the leisure center was the only like 3g facility where it had lights and you could use the pitch so i kind of i wanted to buy some land basically and build a 3g community pitch that uh teams like us could use and train on any 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 like local team that was looking for facilities to train they could use it and at the same time i was looking for land i kind of bumped into uh a friend of mine's dad who was also the manager or the coach of the under 18 still at Worthen football club and he kind of said like Worthen are struggling financially uh why don't you take your idea of building a, a 3g pitch and and take it to them i kind of thought oh yeah that's a good idea but i was still looking for land elsewhere and then like two weeks later it came out in the in the local paper that worthing were seriously struggling financially and they were probably going to go out of business in a couple of weeks time if like nothing happened so i thought um, i don't want that to happen obviously i used to play for worthing and used to go and watch a lot of football there as a kid and it was kind of the venue and the hub of football in in worthing all the local like school cup finals and all the like Sussex football league cup finals and all them like youth teams that used to play there. And it was kind of like, yeah, the hub of football in Worthen. And I, I, I didn't like the idea of that disappearing. So I, I took my idea to them and just said like, this is what I want to create somewhere in Worthing. And, and they were like, yeah, that would be amazing here. It would like kill two birds, one side and one, it would save the club. And not only that, it would uh, hopefully, yeah, bring it, bring the club back to the community because it was kind of getting lost a little bit in in the way it was being run. It was kind of like an old old boys club, really. It kind of uh, it had the same faces there every week, but nothing, mm. no one knew coming in. No one had a reason really to go down there. And uh, yeah, building the, the 3G pitch meant that it opened it up to a whole, whole new realm of the community and new people coming in using the facility. And it was open a week for people to use. So it meant that, it wasn't just open on a Tuesday night and a Saturday for training uh, and matches. It was open all week round for anyone in the community, anyone in the community to come and use. And that kind of benefited the club because uh, people would be there, say on a Wednesday night training with their kids. And then they'll see that there's a game on Saturday. They'll come down and watch the game, that type of thing. And it, it just made the people realize in Worthing that there, there is still a club here kind of thing, just brought it brought it into into focus a little bit more and that's helped with crowds and and all sorts so yeah it's been good yeah would you say because it, it seems to be like a bit of well some people would say you were very lucky but then some people would say maybe you had shown great initiative to actually propose the idea what would you say would you say that was the opportunity came through luck or would you say actually no it came from my own initiative to propose the idea to Worthing SC <clears throat> I think in a way well, yeah, a bit of both for really. it. I, I was yeah. going to do it somewhere. Like I was going to find land, and I was going to, I was going to build this, uh, yeah, this three G pitch because I was, I was very passionate about getting that done. I, I wanted to have a a football hub for for Worthing, so I, I was going to get it done. But it was just, yeah, amazingly crazy timing. I think that yeah. meant that at the same time I was looking to do this the club was struggling financially. Obviously, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have been struggling financially and they would have mm. been uh, prosperous and been climbing the league anyway. But it just so happened that at the same time that I was looking uh, for land, this opportunity presented itself and I just kind of grabbed it with both hands, really. I didn't want to... And once the opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, absolutely buzzing. It just meant I could kill two birds with one stone, save the club, hopefully uh, build it, 
build a better future for the club, but also uh, have this community hub for the for Worthing that they could come and use it for for football. Mm, like right place, right time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And before you though became the owner of Worthing FC, you know the club did have about over two hundred thousand pounds of debt. What I've read, you were around twenty one, twenty two at the time. And you're going to take over from an owner who's been at the club for like 50 years. And he wasn't very pleased, apparently, that you're taking over, from what I read. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, did any of those sort of reasons worry, worry you at all when you became the owner of the club at all, or not really? Obviously, the debt was... I knew, yeah, I knew about the debt, but I kind of, in my head, had the, had the theory that, okay, I'll, I'll clear the debts, but clearing them debts, basically, in my head, was cheaper than buying land in Worthing. So it kind of made sense to me in terms of what I wanted to do anyway. It was actually like, I don't want to say that, but it was a cheaper option to buy the club and build a 3G pitch there God, than it would have been wow. for me to like probably buy, buy land of that size and then redevelop the whole land. Like A lot of what I needed when buying the club was already there because it had, it had the pitch, it had the facilities, it had the, the toilets, the bar although we did uh, like do the bar up but a lot of the infrastructure was already there and I would just be basically relaying the pitch and uh yeah tidying up tidying up surrounding areas and making it a more welcoming place to be but in the whole grand scheme of things it would have been che- it's cheaper to do that than it would be to buy land and then yeah build a whole infrastructure if you, if that makes sense yeah no it does make sense yeah so in, in that respect the 2000 £200,000 debt didn't scare me at all. The bit that scared me the most was, or worried me the most was, uh, yeah, telling Morty that I'd no longer, who was the owner at the time and who I'm still friendly with now, still comes to the games. And he was obviously the owner slash chairman when I was playing. So I kind of already knew him. Uh, But yeah, that was my, my biggest worry was telling him that he would no longer be chairman. And that it would be we'd be moving in a different direction because I yeah I didn't want to I know that he'd been doing it years he's getting on a little bit now still still with it mentally but it's like yeah, I just didn't want to didn't want to I felt like I was taking it away from him but I felt like it had to be done I couldn't have invested all that money and then just watch someone else run it and just stayed on the sidelines so um, yeah I needed to get people in that I knew and that I trusted to help me at, at, at board level and. Yeah, it's just, it was a hard decision, but that was the, the thing that worried me. The most was t- telling a guy that's been there 50 years old, by the way, yeah, you're no longer needed in the board anymore. Yeah, but why was it a tough decision for you to make? Yeah, I think it was just like, because I knew him personally. I knew that how much time and stuff he, he'd, uh, how long he'd been at the club. He's, yeah, like you said, he'd been there 50 years. So it was just a hard conversation to have. I think I knew, always knew it was the right thing to do and and, and I was always going to do it. But it was just like, oh, I've got to have this conversation with him at some point. It was just, it was just tough. But not tough in the sense that, oh, I didn't know whether I should do it or not. It was just tough because, yeah, it was a conversation I didn't want to have to have. But, yeah, I did. And it was, it was done. And I, I don't think he was overly pleased with it and obviously he still wanted to be involved he saw that it was potentially quite an exciting future and wanted to be a part of it and we've tried to keep him a part of it as like he's club president and he still comes to all the home games and stuff and yeah he's a lovely guy but yeah it just felt like the club we had to move it in a in a new direction and we wanted to 
kind of move away from the guys that were there before and uh, maybe at no fault of their own, but the club wasn't necessarily being run as well as it could have been, obviously, because of the situation it was in. And I, I didn't want to invest all that money and then leave it in the same the same hands that it had been in for, well, the same hands that had got it into the situation it was in, if you know what I mean. I wanted to bring in mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my own people that I trusted to help push the club forward and hopefully uh, bring it into the 21st century. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, speaking about pushing the club forward, you know, you've been the owner for quite a few seasons now. What's been the highlight throughout that time as being the owner of Worthing FC, would you say? I think the highlight's got to be the first the first season. We got mm. uh, we got promoted and we got to the Sussex Senior Cup final, which was held at the Amex, which obviously Brighton's home ground. So, um, yeah, the, that would be the highlight. The first, the first season really was incredible, like to get promoted in the first year and also top that off with... Um, we didn't win the final, by the way, but it was still oh, amazing no. to <laughs> amazing to have played yeah, at the Amex, and it just topped off a, a brilliant first season, really. Fair. And why why would you say that your first season was the biggest milestone for you? Why that one? I think because it kind of when we first took over the club, we set a five year plan of hopefully trying to get two promotions in five years and and get the club to a point uh, the the highest it's been in terms of like league standings in well, the highest it's ever been if we if we were to achieve that. And obviously we got one in the first year and and it just the atmosphere and the vibe like um, around the town and around the around the club was just great and like week on week the crowd was building towards the end of the season and it was just yeah getting bigger and bigger and it just created that buzz again around the club I mean if if we'd laid the 3G pitch uh, and all, all that like uh, press and um, coverage that the club was getting and then if we if we if we had flopped in the first year and like yeah just finished mid-table nothing really to play for and it might have meant that the club its trajectory wouldn't be where it is now. I just think that that first successful year really brought in a whole batch of new fans who have then stayed because of the success in that first year. And they've caught sort of kind of like bought into the vision of what we're trying to achieve at the club. Uh, and they can see that we are pushing, that we are serious to really keep climbing, keep, keep climbing the league. And I just think that first year really kicked us off in the right direction and everyone got behind us. Mm. And does the fans and the community aspect of Worthing FC, does that keep you going in terms of pursuing your passion as being in football? Or is there something else? Because I feel like being a football owner must be quite challenging. There must be times where you're thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Or or have you had that time? I don't know. No, it's definitely challenging. Obviously, coming yeah. at it, coming at it uh, blind, really. I was, I was a football fan and a football player. And I was still only yeah, 22 at the time. So I was coming at it all very blind. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in the background that you don't even think about when you're like a fan or, or a player. Mm-hmm. You just turn up 10 minutes before kickoff as a fan and watch the game and then you go home afterwards. And the only thing you're worried about is what happened in the 90 minutes. You're not worried about yeah. uh, all the paperwork that you have to get ready before that, even to, just to get the game on or all the volunteers who do absolutely amazing work across non-league, not, but especially obviously I know the the amazing work that the volunteers do at Worthing Football mm-hmm. Club and without them, it just would not be possible. It's as simple as that. Like, the club would not function without uh, the volunteer base that it's got. And all these things are, you, 
aren't things you think about as a as a fan or as a player. You just turn up, play the game, or you watch the game, and you you go home. So there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background and all the. Uh, trying to keep obviously fans happy but also trying to keep the playing squad happy and the manager and yeah all that stuff and it does take a team of people to to achieve that and we've uh, especially in the last 18 months off the pitch we've really grown as a club um, with the with like committee members we've got some kind of specialists in each area and that's uh, a lot of thanks to the, the I say new chairman but he's the, he's been chairman for about two years now and he's yeah, put a lot of good work into recruiting good volunteers who have got really good skill sets and, and things that can help us off the pitch to push us forward in the right direction and done a lot of good work there in the last two years with mm. COVID being obviously we couldn't play but off the pitch we we grew interesting okay so would you all right that's interesting so I was about to ask you that like how much of an impact COVID had on non-league and you're saying off the pitch it was actually okay whereas on the pitch yeah it wasn't ideal because that that season that got null and or got cancelled we were top of the league by like eight points yeah that is yeah annoying (laughs) yeah so so, and 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 that that was the year that that was the fifth year of the uh, five-year plan so if we had got that it would have been like oh my god we achieved that five-year plan which would have been amazing but obviously there was bigger things going on in the world at the time and it was tough for everyone and i kind of although i found it gutting and maybe a bit they pulled the plug on the season a bit prematurely i can understand that it wasn't wasn't an easy decision to make and whatever decision they did make would have annoyed someone so it's just the way it way it happened really um but yeah it gave us it gave us like however long we didn't play football for i can't there was like a period of i think i don't know six months and then it then it happened then we came back for a little bit and then it happened again uh but yeah, that time off really gave us a lot of time to kind of just plan and uh, build our our committee off the pitch to yeah be able to put us in a better position for when we did return. It, it yeah give it gave us time because obviously it's manic during the season. It's just mm. all you're thinking about is game, game, game. But the next game's coming up, and there's so much of it. You're kind of like just fight fighting really like trying to sort problems out but then you've got a game coming up so you need to get things ready for that and it's got you don't really get time to plan ahead uh, so it gave us that time to to do that and uh, get a lot of stuff that we've been meaning to sort out off the pitch sorted so then when we yeah came back to playing football we're in a better position to do it basically we made the most of the time off definitely like uh yeah we made we made the most of it and made it into a positive that we had that time off and we we made sure that because on the pitch, like our manager Adam Hinchelwood and his coaching staff and the players have been amazing for the last four years, whatever it, whatever it's been, in terms of uh, where we are on the pitch, like the uh, the expectation on the pitch through like Hinch and and his team's good work on the pitch has meant that people are now expecting us to get promoted and stuff. But off the pitch, we had to like look at ourselves and say, okay we need to catch up with what they're doing on the pitch now because if they were to get promoted and we weren't ready to get off the pitch to get from that promotion and we need to make sure the ground's ready and we need to make sure that we've got personnel in place that if we get promoted, we're ready to do that. So yeah, it just gave us that time to make sure that the ground was ready and uh, we had yeah different people in different areas making sure they've covered all their bases and yeah, it just, it just gave us that time to assess what we needed, fill them positions 
and then yeah make sure we're ready to to go up if if the team achieve it mm, absolutely and what i'm really interested to know about you is like from you know being your first sort of season as the owner to now what lessons have you learned the most during that time as being the owner of, of a football club i think that uh the biggest lesson probably learned is that you're not going to please everyone all the time like mm. no matter what you do you could win six on the bounce and then lose one and then you've got you'll have people moaning it's just the way it, <laughs> really? the way it is wow. or you can you could like i don't know get six new toilets and people will be moaning that you haven't got seven it's just <laughs> it's just really? what yeah. it is no matter how many good things you and we're always trying to improve the ground and improve this fans experience when they come because obviously we want it to be as comfortable with this place as possible with as possible so people keep coming back but yeah no matter what you do there's always something else that you could or should have done instead of that uh and i guess in the early days that not annoyed me but i was kind of like really you're minding about that we've just had a we've had a new new just laid a new pitch and the new bars sorted and you're minding that yeah there's a stone or something when you walked in so okay I, i quickly got used to the fact that no matter what you do, you're not going to please everyone, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep trying. But yeah, that's, yeah, it's just not going to please everyone all the time. Mm. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. Fair. Is, is that um, how long did that take to sort of understand and maybe accept? Maybe not. Maybe accept's not the right word, but like just tolerate it if that makes sense. The first year probably wasn't as bad, if I'm honest, because we were doing well on the pitch. Like yeah. we were probably doing better than expected. So a lot of the gripes or that they were there, but they weren't like coming to the forefront because they were the, the fact that we were winning on the pitch meant that they kind of went away a bit. But when we got promoted in our first year in the, in the league above, that was, it was tough and we weren't, we weren't doing so well. We were kind of like in and around the bottom six, six or seven in the league. And it was kind of like looking like, Oh, oh my God, this, yeah, we, we could struggle here. And then a lot more, yeah, gripes started uh, surfacing. So coming up to the coming up to the surface. Actually saying that, it's just reminded me, in the early in our first season, in like the first three or four games, we didn't start the season very well. And there was like some people like throwing their season tickets saying, Oh, it might be a new ground, but it's the same old Worthing, blah 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 blah. When you're putting the money in yourself, you kind of you know how much you've spent on something or you know how much uh, time and effort has gone in from all the volunteers to make sure that uh, whatever's happening has has been allowed to happen. And when someone just comes in because you lost one game, it's like, oh my God, this is rubbish. This is all crap. And it's like, bloody hell, do you know how much we've just spent and how much time and effort everyone's just put in to get to get to where we are now? And you're moaning because we lost we lost a game. It's like, mm. I, and I understand it at the same time because I'm a fan as well. So I know that all that all they really care about is how well the team's doing. But it's our job to focus on on all the other stuff and make sure that that's all going smoothly as well. And yeah, the the game at the end of the week is kind of like my the enjoyment of it all, if you know what I mean. For me, yeah, because I feel like I'm, everything it, it feels so much more meaningful when you win. And so much worse when you lose because you know that all the hard work that everyone, not just the players and the management, but also like the volunteers and stuff, you want you want things to go well for them as well because you know how much time and effort they're putting in just through sheer love of the club. No, totally. And why I want to leave this conversation off is 
you know, I normally ask this question to a lot of my guests who come onto this podcast is what does passion mean to you? I think something that you're passionate about is something that you'll just keep doing regardless of like how many obstacles are in your way and how hard it might be. You're just that passionate about it that you do it and it's not for for money or for anything else. Like if anything, probably losing money owning a football club and everyone warned me of that before I did it. And they were like, <laughs> you sure you want to do that? You could probably invest your money better elsewhere. And but it was my passion and I wanted to be involved in football and I love football and there's nothing I'd rather be doing. Like there's no, because for me it's become a job as well. I was kind of a bit lost, like I said, after my injury and I didn't really know what I was doing day to day. Whereas this has given me a purpose and it's a purpose in something that I'm passionate about, which makes it easy for me to do because I I don't wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I've got to do that today. Mm-hmm. Like it's football. So I'm, I, obviously there's areas in which like there's paperwork and stuff that I don't enjoy doing, but I know that the end result will be that it's better for Worthing Football Club that this happens. And then you get the rewards when you go to watch the games and it just means that much more. And it's just, yeah, open that door back into the footballing community for me. So yeah, that's passion for me. It's just something that you do regardless of what you get back God. that's a really good that's a really great answer man I really appreciate that that's it thank you so much George for coming on to the Pursuit of Passion thank you so much mate thank you cheers thank you so much for listening to that episode of In Pursuit of Passion podcast produced by the Demographical Network and hosted by myself Hamish Haddett what a great guy George Dowell is and if you want to know more of his amazing journey We'll include all these links down below in the episode bio. And until the next episode of In Pursuit of Passion podcast, keep pursuing that passion and see you in the next one.